0: <laughs> yeah, what's up? Hey, what's up, John? <laughs> How are
1: you? Good. I just got to get you with that every time. You <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: sound like you. <laughs> hey, what's up, John?
1: <laughs> All right. Hey, do you want the – are you a good news type guy or a bad news type guy? What do you want first, good news or bad news? I guess bad. Ozzy got caught Want the what? good news. Yeah. You want know the good news.
2: Yeah.
1: Got caught cheating on Sharon. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a good, <Yeah>. news, <laughs> yeah, good news. Bad news is he got caught.
2: It, it happened again. Yeah. Wow. Like you're not talking about a few years ago.
1: No, I'm talking about recently.
2: Mm. Interesting.
1: Yeah, unless I'm mistaken, they were on the TV. They were on the TV show.
2: Huh? Like a Doctor Phil type thing.
1: Together. Yeah, talking about it together. Because, hmm. Maybe you can cut. You can edit this out if I'm wrong. No,
2: no. no. Should
1: we start over? No. <laughs> uh. <Uh-oh. laughs> no, he was on like a Doctor Phil or so or one of them shows. Him and Sharon, I was like, "What?" My wife's like, "Yeah, he got caught cheating on her." Wow. Yeah, so it hmm. must be it must be new, right? Because well, I don't, I don't well, think they ever went on a show about it before. Yeah, I
2: don't, they tried I don't to really jump. In, they, they tried to jump in front of it. Huh? I know somebody who who knows a girl who slept with him. Oh. So he's done it many times. <laughs> <laughs> he he's done it at least one more time.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But then, but this one I was like I felt bad for him cuz he was just I seen him sitting in the chair just not saying anything and then Sharon Sharon was just take, took over the whole narrative just doing wow. all the talking. Yeah, and he was just sitting
2: there like nodding his head and I thought, "Oh my god." Some of the, some of these uh interview well, not interviews. Some of these guys on YouTube give her a lot of credit for shit. And, like I don't even know that she deserves the credit That that she gets for, I know You know Helping him get his band back You know like mm-hmm. I, I don't know At what point she got involved Well they actually credit her with like Randy and stuff Like, like she found the She booked the auditions and stuff Like oh That's not the story I heard That's, that's not the not story he tells happened. Right so I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I listened to him talk to Rick Rubin today. That was pretty interesting. Did you listen to that? I sent you. A link. I
1: li- I listened to a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like but he a sounds. Cool re- yeah, he sounds really old though. He does. Which he? Yeah, which he.
2: Ozzy? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't sound old to me. Oh really? sounds the same well I don't know maybe I just didn't notice <laughs> right but um, yeah they had
1: them, um the football season started uh, last week right. it was the first game of the season and uh, they said you know Ozzy's gonna do the halftime thing and they just cut to him for a second and it looked like the, you know the band was just like a hired band and I think they were playing the tracks you know, he he was singing, but yeah. the guitar was like off, and uh, the the drummer was like throwing his hands all in the air. When the, you could hear the drums being played, you know, it was kind of like a
2: like a huh. Star Search Star Search well, band kind of thing. That's that's crazy. Well, first of all, um, I've heard that they make them do that now, like the Who. And all these people that play the the Super Bowl are are lip syncing, because mm-hmm. they don't want to they don't want to take any chances with such a huge pr- production that someone will fuck something up. Right. That's what I've heard. These guys were like dancing to the,
1: to. You could tell they were playing to a track though that the, they weren't even playing well, that, the
2: instruments. Well, that's that's weird because I um. I think it was Justin Hawkins, the guy from the darkness on his YouTube channel. Uh I think he talked about it. Well, Tony Iommi played guitar on that. I think, I think it was Tony Iommi and Ozzy. Huh? Not at, not at this last one. No,
0: no,
1: dude. It was like three posers.
2: Maybe it's a different one. Huh?
1: It's you could tell it's like not his touring band or anything like that. They were just like three and it posers. It
2: was Tony Iommi.
1: Hell no, dude. Uh, it was like tw- it was like a, okay. like, I'm
2: getting like, three tw- like three
1: like three thirty-year-old kids who were like they dressed up like okay, you're gonna dress up like heavy metal guys.
2: Uh uh-huh.
1: Yeah, it was like three people that you've never even seen before. It's like what the hell?
2: I see. Wow. Almost
1: like the almost like the network put it together or something. It was trippy. And uh, they, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking, you know, she just hired these guys. Right. You don't have to play, all you have to do is look good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they barely showed any any thing of it, you know. Uh-huh. They just cut
2: away.
1: Cut away. Patient number nine.
2: I saw Because it's his that. his new album. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was just promoting his new album. Is Zach Wilde on it? He must be, right? There's a bunch of different people. Um, Well, I don't know about a bunch of different people, but Jeff Beck is on patient number nine. Oh, okay. Right.
2: I think... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's due to come out soon. Well, I probably won't be checking it out.
0: I can't can't remember.
2: Well, I listened to something he did recently that was really great, actually. Ordinary Man or some shit like that. Mm -hmm. I I thought it was really... Really well done, and it just really highlighted how great of a voice he has. And, yeah, well, he's like and, seventy-two, and he still sounds great. Yeah, man. I people, you know, watching these producers talk about Ozzy, like they always have to be like, he's not that talented. He's not talented. It's like, dude. He do- first of all, they say he doesn't play any instruments. This one guy was saying, and he does mm-hmm. play the harmonica because he plays it on the Wizard. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's him. <laughs> but he's got talent, dude. Like, I mean, not totally. everybody can can have can come up with melodies like that. I don't care if somebody's already done the chords. Totally. And he never said, I'm a badass
1: songwriter or fucking I'm this, I'm that. Never,
2: man. He never he's, said
1: I, that, dude. He's, no. and his voice is great. Like you said, he's got melodic sensibilities are great, mm-hmm. you know. No, nobody's telling him how to sing that. So Who cares if somebody wrote the words? Nobody's telling him how to sing it. That's him.
2: Yeah. And, and in that interview, what I liked about that interview today, I think the biggest thing that stood out was that he said, he talked about the moment, the first moment he heard the Beatles. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. I think so. He always talked about he was a Beatles fan, but he was a big Beatles fan. Like, he was like a Beatles fan, like we were KISS fans. Like, right. he said he had pictures on his wall and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he, he remembers where he was standing when he first heard them on his little transistor radio. That's pretty cool. So he's yeah. like a music fan. He wasn't just some guy. He right. just like, okay, right. I'll, try, I'll give this a shot. You know, right. it's in his mm-hmm. blood.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So Diary of a Madman. I'm excited to do this one. I, I don't have a lot of detail that I, you know, other than stuff yeah, me in is. my head. I didn't take a lot of notes, but um the album I have just have Wikipedia open. The album was released on November second, nineteen eighty one. Recorded in February, March of eighty one in three weeks.
1: Right, three to six weeks or something like that. Or, there, no, between two tours and uh, I think it was a three to six weeks, they said, yeah, and recorded at Ridge Farm, too.
2: hmm Yeah. Produced by Max Norman. Right. Although it says Max Norman, Ozzy and Randy produced it.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I was seeing that in other places today. It was like... Uh, it was Dire of a Madman on one disc and then it was um Ozzy and Randy live on the other one but in the live one it just said produced by um Ozzy and I think Sharon and the the Dire of a Madman was Ozzy Randy and Max mhm
2: yeah wow well um You want to? Should we just start out with "Over the Mountain"?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: So I, first of all, like to me, I didn't listen to either of these albums for many, many years, and I'd hear a song here or there, song once in a while, you know. But I didn't really pay close attention to it until we did this again, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I was reminded of how great Blizzard was, and then. getting ready for this one, I was reminded how freaking amazing this album is. Like, it's amazing, dude. I know. It's,
1: it's, it's it's unbelievable
2: how good it is. It's
1: brilliant. Yeah. And Ozzy said that he didn't like the mix on it. I don't know if he's talking about the mix on his voice or just the part of, I think the mix on the whole thing, he didn't Mm -hmm. care for it and uh, he wasn't happy with it,
2: but I think it sounds great. Somebody said, in, now these are just a bunch of nerds talking about, just like us talking about, uh-huh.
0: <laughs>
2: talking about the album. But somebody said that Ozzy didn't like the direction that it was because he was used to 70s dry production. and This is more wet; it's more reverb, and you know, mm-hmm. and it's not even as as big as it got. Of course, because I think that. I think eighty one, eighty two, you know, mixes sound pretty good. Once we get to around eighty five, eighty six, you know, through the end of the eighties, I can't stand the music that was put out at that time. I mean, there's very few albums that I like that were put out at the end of the eighties. I just can't stand it. So I think he was reacting. Well, from what I the thing I heard is that Ozzy was reacting to the change that was happening with like production. It was becoming more big and Uh uh, boomy and although it's really not in my opinion it still at that point sort of yeah Yeah. but I could be wrong I don't know I mean who knows what he was hearing
1: yeah what I like about Over the Mountain is it's uh, you know it rides around on a G sharp instead of uh, you know being on A like everything else not everything else by them, but, you know.
2: Yeah. Gives, what is the riff? E, G sharp? A,
1: G sharp, yeah.
2: Oh, it's A, yeah. G sharp.
1: Yeah. Oh, nah, nah. You know, I could have easily went F, B flat, A, you know, and then there's your A just riding on that. But it, given it on that G sharp, it has it gives it a total different tone, like you were saying, uh, that kind of that graveyard tone.
2: yeah yeah huh? Why was I thinking it that's the thing 'cause i I was going by memory, and there wasn't hold on one second. Yeah, you're right. I had to try it because I thought for sure it was G sharp G. What? Yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't play it. I was just going by memory. Oh, okay.
1: And what's weird is in that solo, he's pulling off open strings and it still works. And the solo yeah. might be in a different. Is a solo in a different key? No, huh?
2: I, I don't remember, but you know, I mean, this is sort of like potentially didn't go to E major, so, because mm-hmm. A and, um, maybe he's or even G sharp minor um, would have the open strings in it, the top, the three, well, at least, hold on a second, maybe I'm wrong about that. No. No. Not the chord, at least, not the that's the tonic. But they aren't... Yeah, you know when he does that. G-sharp minor,
0: those...
2: Yeah. Those notes are... Except for D is in the key, though. Oh. And, well, it's not G-sharp minor because he's doing the A. So it's like Phrygian or something, right?
1: Oh, okay, look. Oh, yeah. Just because it rides on G-sharp doesn't mean that the song is in G-sharp, right? The song could be in E, like you're saying.
2: Well, a lot of that stuff is subjective, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. I mean, you know, people... And and songs change keys a lot. That song probably changes keys a lot, in the bridge and stuff. But you're right but even if it's g sharp it's not G sharp minor because there's an a in it so it's like phrygian Mm -hmm. i was thinking it was diminished but i'm I'm, uh, obviously wrong about that it's not diminished i don't think no it's not diminished so it's like it's like it's like phrygian which is you know kind of spanish Flavor but you know right. It's 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 sort of like the stuff But I was it still fits what I was going to say About it, even though it's not diminished there's a lot Of diminished stuff in it you can hear the High uh-huh. tones right but um, He uh, I don't know Who did it first like a song Like that where they do the half step Power chords like that mm-hmm. But you know Metallica did it A ton and a bunch of metal bands Did it but I wonder If if this was one of the first songs that did it, that was kind of a big song because other than like punk rock, I'm sure like punk rock is yeah. not doing it, Mm-hmm. but um, <clears throat> it's pretty cool. There's a lot of really cool stuff about this song. I mean, that, it's, it's like that riff is cool. And then he does that pull, that hammer on between the F sharp and the, and the G sharp. Do You know, when he's doing it. Yeah. Dugga, 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 dugga that's really cool yeah I don't yeah. think I ever heard anybody do that before that right and yeah uh, that, iso- that
1: isolated track you can get on YouTube that's pretty badass I don't know that I've heard it I think I should sent you? it to you They're, they have isolated tracks of Flying High Again Mr. Crowley and um, Over the Mountain okay yeah I sent it to you, yeah, you check them out
2: well, I listened to those, so I, I must have forgot which songs they were.
0: That
1: oh,
2: that okay. that solo blew my mind, like, you know, mm-hmm. after being into the other album, getting this album and just like, I mean, I mean, first of all, the opening drum thing is amazing. Yeah. Yep. Big Kersick is an amazing drummer. Oh, yeah. He I like the jump. one he does on Little Dolls, too. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Those drums are amazing. Those drums are great. He does some really cool stuff. And, you know, to jump back to Blizzard of Oz, I was watching some guy uh, today. That I think I sent you the link of the producer that was going over the album. It was Blizzard, though, so it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't this album. But he was, he mentioned disco when talking about Crazy Train just a little bit. Because of the the floor on the floor kick that happens once uh-huh. the riff starts at the beginning when the drum structure come in a little bit, but then I was listening to he was soloing like the verse uh-huh. and it's total freaking disco man. It's like ding ding, ding 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 Not the guitar, but like the drums, like and the and the bass is just like boom boom boom. boom. It's fucking disco. Like now I, it sounds like a disco band, you know, if you, if you take, if you listen to the rhythm section, it's weird. Right. That just Never tells you how good it.
1: these guys were.
2: Yeah. 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 And, and, um.
1: They knew what needed to be there. And mm-hmm. if there was a disco beat, so be it. If it doesn't, y- just, to your, you know, at, at first glance, nobody's going to go say disco beat.
2: Right. I mean, they, they were just super creative and they didn't have the metal template yet because it wasn't a thing yet. They right. were fucking creating it, you know? Right. right. So, it's, I think that's why I like it so much. I mean, really the rules were being set by these, I don't know, I mean, Judas Priest probably said a lot of it in Sabbath, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, actually I was going to say Randy cops the black Sabbath riff in over the mountain right before the solo where he goes down, 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 Yeah. It's the same riff, which is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, that, that solo is like the greatest solo ever. He does that thing twice. And then he Mm -hmm. and then he jumps to like pentatonic and does like this fucking badass like pentatonic riff. I have no idea what he does, but I love that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a super super crazy high energy solo.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and then like the whammy bar shit and yeah, some of it I'm not sure if he's using the whammy bar if he's pulling the string behind. I used to play it by pulling the string behind my left hand. Behind it, right? Yeah, and I've yeah. got a, I've got a picture of him doing that. I know he did it on something, but I don't know if he did it on that.
1: Yeah, I've he's gotten... playing as White Jackson, and he's mm-hmm. he's he, he's doing that. Yeah,
2: like who did that before Did Eddie Van Halen do that? I never saw. No, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, I don't ever saw anybody do that. Yeah, I think I think yeah, the... saying that he was a Van Halen ripoff is is. that that pisses me off yeah yeah it's a completely different thing the only thing they have they have in common is that okay maybe he does a little right hand tapping but it's not a lot and um what i see that they have in common is that they're both really like cinematic and they're playing like One instrument is doing a lot of stuff, a lot of tricks, Mm -hmm. a lot of sound effects, all just jumping around from playing rhythm to playing a melody to doing a sound effect, all and holding it all together. You know, that's Mm -hmm. something that I could never do. I, I I overdub shit. I you know, well, I can practice it and do some things live, but I can't do all that stuff. Like, not like that. Yeah. You know. It's uh so they have that in common I think.
1: Right. But... You know, each one could do what the other one did. So it's not about, you know, who's better. It's yeah. they're just they're different. So I don't you can't even really compare those two except that they're both yeah. great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I saw um the guy from Poison play the Eruption solo. Cece Cavill? Yeah, he played the Eruption solo at uh, the concert I went to the other day. It's horrible, dude. I mean, he played it fine. He can play the guitar, but it was just like, why is he fucking doing it? This is so awful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's pretty trippy that he would do that. He did that in place of his own solo, or he kind of put that into his own... (laughs) You know how you do a showcase of your own solo? Did he yeah. put that in his
2: showcase? He put it in there. He's the only one out of all the guitar players the whole night that did a stupid solo like that. And the drummer did one, too, in point. It's like, dude, who wants to hear that these days? Like, I don't want to hear yeah. a drum solo or a guitar solo.
1: Right. <laughs> anyway. Shanker doesn't do one. No. I mean, you're right. He does let it let it roll or rock bottom, and you, mm-hmm. and that's good enough. You know he doesn't need to do it just a
2: standalone solo. Yeah, it used to just be a staple, but I don't know why those guys. I mean, they weren't even. I don't even know why they would do it. Like they're they're supposed to be like a glam rock band. Like why would you do that? What? It doesn't even make any sense. Like based on the style, that they're supposed to be. Like they don't even know what they are. Right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> they, were, they, they played fine I mean they played good They are good musicians They sounded good I don't yeah. really like Very many of their songs But I hated the solos I just was like Oh shut the fuck up Yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: So Over the Mountain I don't have that too much on It's just I had a lot of uh, Misinterpreted l- lyrics What I thought they, they were saying You know And then oh, reading yeah. it And listening to it again I it's didn't like, really oh oh yeah, okay,
2: I probably missed it too what 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 were
1: they well, one of them was, um, I thought he was saying, my monotopic or mono, monotropic magic guys goes magic ride goes round and round,
0: uh-huh. but
1: so I'm reading it, and then it says mind on a carpet oh,
2: okay,
1: and then i'm listen I'm reading it and listening to it at the same time, and it's mind on a carpet,
2: yeah. I knew that one because I, I think I used to. Well, I know I had the lyrics on the album, uh-huh. and I used to think Ozzy hand wrote those lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, I know. Not, not, not only did he probably not handwrite those lyrics, but he didn't even write the lyrics.
1: <laughs> right, <laughs> literally.
2: And I and I just imagined that he wrote the lyrics when I was a kid. Right. Sorry.
1: speaking of the lyrics. Um... Somebody should try to decipher all that other code, because you remember on the album—not um, the jacket, but the sleeve. Mm, yeah. There was all that looks like ancient druid writing or whatever.
2: Well, did you see the video where the guy did some decoding? Yeah, I did. Coding?
1: Mm-hmm, okay. I did,
2: but inside inside, inside the album,
1: more. yeah, there's like you know whole pages pages of it. You know really wow. small really wow. small like right next to the lyrics Huh? yeah even the guy was saying that when he said that i was
2: like that's right i i remember the codes but i i didn't remember how much do you I, have that record i can't remember because half my records disappeared over the years oh. I don't where they are i might have it oh um, that sucks okay yeah, I can't remember which ones I have and which ones I don't. I probably do though. I probably do have because I had that one on vinyl. I had the Blizzard of Oz on on cassette. Uh huh. But yeah, I don't know. Over the Mountain is it's a great opener for their follow up. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: incredible. Do you have anything else on that one? I don't. Flying High Again was the single, right?
1: I think so. Um, Funny thing about Flying High Again, you know how when we were growing up, we were playing along with the album, and then whenever you wanted to play along with Flying High Again, you had to retune your whole guitar.
2: Was it just that song or the whole album?
1: No, just that song. Everything else is in standard, huh. except for flying high again. And I found where Randy said that their tuner that they were using was broke. Uh-huh. And, uh, so they were tuned down and he ended up liking it.
2: Mm-hmm. So hmm. I heard someone say that, but I thought it was, um, for the whole album, I didn't know it was just that. No, cool. no,
1: it's just, yeah. Because I, I used to le- like to play along with Flying High again, but I always want, had to, like, retune everything. Uh, so I yeah. would just, like, tune down and play along with that one first and then tune back regular and play with all the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's my favorite uh, Blizzard of Oz lyric and song. You
2: mean Darwin Except Man. for,
1: yeah, out, pretty much out of all of it. Except mm-hmm. for another, except for a ballad that, when we get to it, I'll tell you that. But um, what time is that in that bass and drum track? That that thing is tricky.
2: Flying high boom again. Dat,
1: boom that, boom that, boom that, mm, boom that, boom that, boom that, boom boom, boom, boom boom. What timing is that? I
2: don't know, man. I'm sure it's. I would think it would be four four. You're talking about flying high again, right? Right. I mean the the timing is four four. Dun, 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 one, but, you know what I mean? Like, but they could be doing off beat stuff Duh, within that. You know. I,
1: that's
2: the one. That's one of the ones I didn't pay attention to. I was going to bring up some crazy shit that I heard in the rhythm <laughs> section on some other songs, but okay. on that one I I couldn't pay attention to it. Oh okay. That's fine. But that's, but that's
1: cool. Yeah, that's one of my two, well, I got three favorite Aussie songs, but
2: uh-huh.
1: mm-hmm. that's, you know, pretty much all I had on that except for,
2: uh, you know, how great that solo is. Yeah, that solo is fucking great.
1: Yeah. It's a
2: great poppy pop. I mean, it's a great single. I mean, the riff is good, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's totally unique. Every one of these songs is totally unique, which is, you know, to me, a sign of great writing is that the songs just jump out as totally unique, like snowflakes. And that's how, that's how, uh, you know, or a fingerprint or whatever, that's how a song should be, in my opinion. And they don't sound like each other. They don't sound like anything else. Right. And from album to album too. I mean, yeah,
1: I I love blizzard, but when I'm listening to diary, I say, man, Diary is it, you know, and then there's a hold on a minute. Blizzard's fucking this shit too,
3: you know what
1: I mean? But, but, but Diary is just like, it was, uh, you know, we got something new from them. So, and it was, it was, you know, turned a corner. I thought,
2: yeah, man, I mean that, you know, all the talk they do about, they were a band and stuff. They really were. Yeah, they really, they really were, I mean. Bob Daisley. Sound. I don't really like bass players who use a pick. Like that's not really my thing, unless it's punk rock. I mean, it's not really my thing. But I, I just love a lot of the stuff he did. I mean, it was so creative, you know. Right. Completely out of the box, you know. Like it's right. he's not just he's not playing along with the guitar ever. He's with the drums, and they're doing something totally over in the corner, different than what Randy's doing in it. It just, it just creates this mosaic and it's beautiful. What were you going to say?
1: Well, I was going to say, and then a song we'll talk about in a minute, but, um, where you don't even really hear what the guitar is doing and the bass is carrying the whole song, you know, underneath the lyrics and all these accents. And I'm like, well, what's Randy doing right there? And it's kind of like hard to hear. And I go, man, that must be how great that must be to play with the bass player. That can carry the whole song, you know right. just with his little accents and stuff, and give the guitar player the freedom to like play anything or play nothing,
2: yeah, yeah, well, he does do that a lot i 'cause that was one of the things I was gonna mention that I didn't mention last time, I mean, even when I was a kid, I noticed his his bridges we're almost always just like noodling, like, like, mm-hmm. doodle, doodle, doodle. like Jimi Hendrix. Was, I don't right. know what he's doing. Yeah, like, yeah. There's all these different tracks and he's not really playing a part. He's just sort of. Doodle, doodle.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's stringing, he's stringing notes together. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it, and it creates an ambiance and it's cool and it's unique and, and it builds up to, into the solo usually. Yeah. And, uh, I don't
1: know. It's... I say try to learn the the flying high again bass line.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: gonna take it's gonna take you a minute to
2: that yeah. off
1: that off timing he does. It's like you can follow it until it gets about three quarters through the measure or starting uh-huh. at the next measure, and then you miss it. And that's like
2: huh. ah, damn it!
1: Oh, L- listen wow. to that real real close what the bass and drums are doing.
2: It's I can like, kind of remember what you're talking about, but I for some reason I didn't pay attention to it this
1: time. Yeah, it's like it's spinning the opposite way that the that the rhythm is going. Uh huh. You know how when a tire ty- you know how when you're watching a tire spin real fast, how once yeah. it reaches a certain speed, it looks like it's spinning backwards. Uh huh. It kind of reminds me of that. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the two things going yeah. on, two opposite things going on at once.
2: Right, right. That's really cool.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, those guys were. I don't know, man. They were really good, and and Lee Kerslake has some just incredible moments. Even at, I think at the end of Flying High again, he does this roll drum roll that's just like amazing right before the ending. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like, Nick, it's like a timpani roll or something. It's like really great.
1: Yeah, really fast. He, all all of them. They're just like Randy, uh, Bob and Lee, to where like, and this is true, if you, every time you listen to them, you're gonna hear something that you're gonna either gonna hear it a little bit different than you heard it, or mm-hmm. something you never really picked up on before. And mm-hmm. with, with Lee and Randy, every time I listen, I hear something, I don't know if it's my, uh, I understand it a little bit better because it's another time listening to it, or my mind is just kind of like, uh, relaxed and, all of a sudden, it, you know, it, it fits in there and I go, oh, wow, I never, I didn't really uh, ever hear that before.
2: Yeah, You know,
1: you thought you've heard everything, but when you listen to them close, you're going to keep hearing stuff. Mm-hmm. So.
2: For sure. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, I was hearing stuff today, listening to it and, and just, I mean, I was just blown away over and over and over again by the whole band, like. Right. Including yeah. Randy, like. I mean, there's just things that he does that are just like so freaking expressive. Like, like just hitting one note or something. Or like mm-hmm. sometimes he comes in with that wah pedal and it's just like wah. It's like what the fuck? Like, yeah. like it's fucking crazy. Like, it's so powerful.
1: Yeah, I know.
2: I, I never heard anybody use it like that either, and I never really noticed that he used it. It's weird,
1: right? Like, like I was saying before, it's like, a, like he's cooking, you know, a little bit of this yeah. at the right time, a little bit of that at the right time. Exactly. There's no keyboards. There's no keyboards really on this album, are?
2: <coughs> I don't, I hear a lot of effects, like, like on Believer and, um, I think there is, but it's definitely not as pronounced.
1: It's not like Don not... playing the keyboards. It's just like he synthesized got, shit or something,
2: huh? Oh, he yeah, did? Yeah, he got credit, but, but it's someone else, I think.
0: Okay. That's,
2: that's what I read um, or I heard today. Uh, who is it? Don Airy is credited, but does not appear. Um, huh. Let's see. Johnny Cook is the guy. And he's not credited, but he played keyboards on it. I don't know how many songs. That's crazy. They started out not crediting people and crediting the wrong people. Yep.
1: There's a culture there with those guys. (laughs) With her.
2: Yeah, man.
1: I think all that shit, all that shit's Sharon, trying to just be a shrewd
2: businesswoman. Dude. Isn't it weird that the re-recordings? I just read here on Wikipedia today that Sharon said Ozzy. It was Ozzy's idea, and he just did it one day or something. Ozzy said Sharon's idea. He didn't even know about it to re-record right. the shit with the different. Like they both blamed each other in different. Like, uh huh. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> How are the they decision? still married? They, the decision was, Ozzy would
1: never make that decision. I know he doesn't think like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
2: I, his mind she doesn't, doesn't work like, like, like that. Yeah.
1: No, I don't think his mind works like that. that mm. was, she did that so she wouldn't have to pay Bob and Lee. Yeah. You know, because there was no reason to re- Why would you take something, why would you take a masterpiece and then have some, you know, and then have somebody else paint over it in certain spots. Right. Yeah, doesn't make. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But he does bring it up. He does bring up the the greedy, you know, lawsuits and stuff. Mm -hmm. What I read today is that those guys didn't even have any money to eat or anything when they were making this record. They just asked for I don't know what they asked for, but yeah, yeah, and they were just fired. How can
1: you call, how can you call them greedy? How how can somebody so greedy call somebody greedy? That's what <laughs> I don't get. Yeah,
2: and and the, and they're working for free. Did you watch Pam, Tommy and Pam on uh Hulu? No,
1: I was <laughs> told I should watch it.
2: Well, that's an example, and I don't know if it's true. I don't know if Tommy Lee really was that big of a dick, but, you know, they just expect people to work for free because they're fucking famous, you know? Right. And so it's like, I don't know. Like, this is an opportunity for you. You should just fucking do it.
1: Dude I work with just went and saw Motley Crue in Vegas, and he said they were terrible.
2: Really? Yeah. Well, I saw him a couple of weeks ago, and it was it was hard to tell because the sound was so bad at the venue I was in. Uh huh. It was fucking terrible. Well, Joan Jett played, and she was great, and the sound was yeah. great. Poison did like two songs, and the sound was great. Then they turned it up so loud that it was just bouncing around, and huh. I couldn't hear. I couldn't even hear. They played "Shout Out the Devil." I couldn't even hear what song it was till after about a minute. I'm really? Like, I think this is shout at the devil. Yeah, it was horrible. I was pissed wow. off. So uh, I think they sounded good, but I, it was really hard to discern what was really going on a lot of the time. Right. They would talk, like Tommy Lee would talk in between songs and stuff, and couldn't understand a word he said. Just bouncing around the, the stage. I heard his
1: voice was all high and shrill.
2: Well, I didn't hear that, but oh, you're uh-huh. talking about Vince Neil.
1: Yeah, Vince Neil. Oh yeah, and then Tommy just came out and was talking about his dick or something.
2: Yeah, he was talking about his dick.
1: Okay, so it's the same shtick they're doing at each show.
2: Well, I don't know. He pulled the. He said, "You want to see my fucking cock? You want to see my fucking dick?" And then he put, he had a puppy in his pants and he pulled out this little puppy. <laughs> it was a wiener dog. That's why he said, "Do you want to see my fucking wiener?" You want to see my fucking wiener? And then he pulled out this little wiener puppy dog out of the pants. And the crowd went crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought they—I thought Vince sounded better than he had been sounding on those videos. I mean, I could tell that he was sort of in, in key.
1: Is he still fat?
2: He wasn't as fat. He was still kind of big, but he wasn't. He didn't yeah. look horrible. He didn't look horrible. Uh, um, uh, Def Leppard played. I told you they played "Let It Go" and they played um, "Bringing On The Heart Break and then they went right into that instrumental that comes after that on the album. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Even though it's yeah. different guitar players, I still enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> mhm.
2: Yeah. Even though the sound was shitty, I I could kind of tell what was going on. <laughs> I I enjoyed it. Right. But. Anyway, okay, so next up is, I think this you, is the one you're going to say is your favorite?
1: No. It, next up is You Can't Kill Rock and Roll. Yeah. And that song was seven minutes long. But it doesn't seem like seven minutes long, but that song was kind of, a, that's a journey, dude, that song.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So the phases yeah. it goes through, you know, the uh-huh. the kind of the lullaby, not lullaby, lack of a better word, but
2: you yeah, know yeah. kind
1: of that soothing acoustic into that rough charged break you know where the solo is but this is one of those songs that um there's a couple on this album that Randy never really had time to put a real solo to so on on this song yeah. and uh on That's little cool. dolls yeah, yeah. They didn't have time, so he just kind of, you know, filled the space with like a, what he called a dummy solo, you know, just yep. a dummy track.
2: I remember that interview where he told that
1: story. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I didn't. I forgot that you can't kill rock and roll was one of those. I know Little Dolls was, and I, every time I hear it, I'm like, I like the solo. <laughs> I do like the one on Little Dolls.
1: Yeah, it's got some nice, uh, you know, it's got a good melody to it.
2: So there's no real solo and you can't kill rock and roll, huh?
1: No, there's a solo, but it's not what he wanted to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: It's a great song. You can kind of tell he just, yeah, he's like throwing some licks in and then he just like does some bends to kind of, Mm -hmm. okay, this is, something's going to go on here. And then Mm -hmm. he'll throw a little riff in and then some more bends here. Just kind of like, you know, making space for when he was going to do the real solo, but... I don't think he ever got time to go back and do it.
2: That's ridiculous, man.
1: Yeah. And I always wondered on them two songs, what kind of solo would he have done?
2: That's the thing about these motherfuckers. Like when you get into like the music business, um, they don't give a fuck about art at all. Like they're happy to just like tell the artist like, no, it's fucking done. Right. And the artist is like, I'm not done. Yeah, you're done. We need to put it out because we don't give a fuck. You know, they don't yeah,
1: tell fuck. them it sounds great, Bud. Sounds great.
2: Right. They don't care. And you know, I ran into that when I was working on music for a film, my friend who is a director, and um we were working on this film and the the guy just the the direct the producer would get a cut he would get a bonus if he did any if he edited, right? So I'd score the film and he would re-edit. He would recut the whole fucking thing. Just he so he could bonus. get paid? Then I have to fucking recut it again, re-score it again. Like, like some things worked, but a lot of things didn't. Like I had to do it from scratch. Not really from scratch, but I had to make music. Like I had, had to rewrite my, music. I had, like let's say a scene is three minutes long. Now it's six minutes long and I got to make it fuck I got to stretch it out twice as long without just, you know, I got to make it work. I gotta, so I had to go back in and like re-record stuff and make the piece work for the scene or, or do something different or, I mean it. And then he did it again. He did it a third and he didn't give a fuck if I had to do that or not. Like he didn't give a fuck if I did it or not. I could have just kept the old music and not, whether it lined oh. up or not. Like I realized that the dude didn't give a fuck fuck at all and you
1: know, that, was, go ahead I'm
2: sorry, sorry. I was going to write a letter to him because me, me and BC like we were really happy with what we had like you know he pushed me really hard and I kept doing it over and over and then he was like yeah that's it and so we, we had already done so much work you know and we were really happy with it but like this is fucking perfect you know the way it is and and then he would change it and it was like it's like, why are you doing this? Like, I didn't know that he got a bonus for doing it. You know, when I found oh, that gosh, out, man. I was like, "It's not even an artistic decision. It's fucking just so he can get a get some money." You know? Wow. But that's how that that's how that's why I think music and business just don't fucking mesh. I just don't care. I, you know, I used to get bummed sometimes when I think about like I'm not making money playing. It's like I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't want that to be my job where kids where I'm compromised, you know? Right. Because when then younger, you that true artistry. When I was younger, people used to say stuff like, you know, you don't have any creative freedom and I'd be like, yeah, whatever, you know, you're like mm-hmm. touring the world or whatever, but no creative freedom. is like really worth it, a lot, especially when you're not getting any benefits and you know they drop you and you know you go from being top of the world to just like a guy without a job and with no skills except being able to play music and no nobody wants you know nobody's going to pay for it anymore like you know i I think Mm -hmm. it's better just to have the creative freedom and do something a little more lucrative The creative freedom long term
1: yeah, the long term, and then wait for everybody else to catch up to it.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just really a shame to think about that. Yeah. He must have been pissed off. Then he gets ripped off. Did you hear that Ozzy punched him in the face a couple of days before he died? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who said who said it? It was uh, Tommy Aldridge just said it, I think.
1: Uh, Rudy said it, and Tommy confirmed it.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: That's crazy. He, he was drunk or whatever, and when Randy didn't want to do the live Sabbath album, right? Which you can't blame mm. him. Then mm. that's when he said, you know, I'm gonna just let me out of my contract, and then. Yeah ozzy hit him Uh and then later when everybody calmed down randy and ozzy got together and and said look okay look you're gonna do you'll do this album you'll give me one more album or or was it two more albums or whatever and then we'll let you out of your contract so they had worked up a deal to where you know ozzy of course ozzy wanted to keep randy but Randy wanted out so Mm. especially after he hit him so then they worked out a deal to where it was agreed by both sides. Okay. You're going to do the Sabbath album and you're going to give us one more album and then you're, you're free to go.
0: Wow.
1: I mean, think I just about what kind of contract they had. Yeah. Was it a five album contract? Was it, you know,
2: I wonder, I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know they had any contract for future albums. Yeah. I guess I I guess I thought he was going to do the the live thing, but he was not happy about it. But right,
1: he was refusing to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Imagine joining this band with these two guys like Lee and Bob, and the four of you writing um, these two incredible albums and recording them and they're just badass and they're totally successful. And then they fucking fire half the band and then you're stuck and it's like are you gonna be excited to work with like other people, you know, after that experience of bonding with these people and jamming with them and then it's just it gets taken away from you. Like that's that's a horrible thing.
1: Yeah. And you know, he, you know, he had only over money again.
2: I'm sorry. No,
1: no, no. I'm saying, you know, Randy had to be seeing that. And there's like no integrity there.
2: Exactly, man. They don't appreciate what they had. They don't because they don't fuck about anything but money.
1: They just want the money right now.
2: Yeah.
1: The money right now. And and we'll deal with we'll deal with their lawsuits or whatever later. And fucking, you know, we're this is it's your name. Audrey, you know. If it wasn't for you, they would they wouldn't even have this opportunity.
2: Which is which is true, but I mean because of that, that's a thing. That's a thing. I know. And and even hearing Dana Strum tell the story about Ozzy, like said trying to help him set up the Randy audition was like pulling teeth. Yeah. You know? It's like and and Randy didn't even want to fucking do it. He's like, oh, oh I know, I know. That's the thing. You know, his
1: mom talked him into it. Not, I'm really? not talking into it, but she said, you know, Randy, sometimes in music, it's who you know. You should at least go and meet this guy. Uh huh. And that kind of, you know, swayed him enough to say, okay, I'll do it. But there's so many things where just like by the skin of his teeth, he he wouldn't have been headed for that plane crash, you know, like if he didn't yeah. go down there, if, you know, and, yeah. and after they wanted, after they, um, he went and auditioned for him and Ozzy said, you're, you're the guy. Then they went back to England and they were looking for another, they were looking for another guitar player.
2: Really?
1: Yeah. And really? it wasn't, yeah, they've started looking for other guitar players, and then Ozzy, I guess, was like, N- "No, you-, you bring this guy from California," you know. And they were, and they gave him some shit about it. He had to, like, you know, they were like kind of working against that. So he almost, even though he got the job when he auditioned with Ozzy, he it almost mm-hmm. didn't happen anyway. And there's like so many little things like that that, you know, he might wow. be alive today if it didn't go. You know, mm-hmm. little twists. I mean, every time I, it just bums me out. Every time I think about,
2: yeah, you know, yeah, man, it's a, it's a fucking drag. It just makes me think even more that the music business is just fucking bullshit. They were mafia anyway, these fuckers. Yeah. So you can't kill rock and roll. I was, it kind of hit me as I was listening to it this week, like. I love the lyrics of that song when he says "rock and roll is my religion and my law." I'm like, That's uh-huh. me.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love that. I love the lyrics. I don't really yep. know what all of them say, but uh, that sentiment is is really meaningful to me. Right. It's a great, yeah, I was listening to them really close, yeah. and they are really good. It's a, yeah. it's a great mel. It's a it's a great pop song along with. Um, by Romance it's a good companion to that I think yeah solid like it's as good I guess the solo's not but I have to listen to the solo again so I don't remember yeah Um, that's
0: all I had on that Believer
1: dude the intro to Believer is Mm -hmm. fucking wicked yeah the okay he, he's doing you know harmonics but there's some other sound in there that i can't describe and right. uh um talk about graveyard uh-huh. i don't know i don't know why that hasn't been used in a soundtrack to a horror movie yet that intro right. uh-huh. um i just picture like demons and ghosts and spirits and they would fly into the air of the graveyard uh, when, when when you you know how the bass boom, 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 do doo, doo, doo. and then those sounds that come in it sounds like a grinding steel wheel of i can't even describe that like what do you yeah. know what
2: that is what is that no i don't know but i heard max talking about on an interview i mean i watched his interview again the diary portion And he was talking about getting crazy like tunnel effects out of the guitar. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it almost sounds
1: like it almost sounds like a high, high, high pitched scream mixed Mm -hmm. with mixed with harmonics and feedback. Mm
0: -hmm. You know,
1: you can tell where the, where the guitars are harmonics, but there's another sound in there like floating through the air and it's like, what the hell is that? I've never heard anything like it on any other song or Mm -hmm. any other movie or anything.
2: You know, I'd right. like to know
1: how that how that was done.
2: Who knows? Who knows if they even remember? Right. <laughs> it could be um, like it could be well, who knows. I got yeah. I'm used to digital, so like you can do stuff with digital where you where you're only playing the the effect, you're not playing the thing that's going into the effect, you know. Right. Right, right. Stuff like that. Like uh-huh. who knows? I think some effects can just produce sounds that sound nothing like what you put into it, you know.
1: Right, it's a trigger, a triggering mechanism.
2: Yeah, or it just gets treated in a way that like spits out like this long mm-hmm. thing that you know. Maybe you just did a k with on, on the guitar or something, and it goes boom.
1: Yeah, I guess you have to understand waveforms and all that shit.
2: And you can and you can just like push them to extremes and make them do shit that they're not even meant to do.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: so yeah. uh, I have no idea what that is, but it it's very ambient and cool. And the song is just amazing. Like the bass, I didn't notice. I always knew the riff, but like once it gets going, it's like really funky. Like I think it's yeah. a pre-chorus. He's doing some, like, funky thing on the bass with the drums. It's, like, really good. And I never uh-huh. even noticed it before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, be- leading up to doing this episode, I was, you know, listening to you, and I was like, holy shit. You know, this thing is, en- this album's endless, timeless. Yeah. And they, like, and they threw it together so fast. And, jeez, can you imagine... Mm-hmm if they would have took time or what their next album would be like.
2: Yeah. And, but they probably but, wouldn't have
1: even been in the band then either.
2: No, that's the thing. Well, Bob, I guess, would have been around maybe to write with Randy. Yeah. But he probably would. Who? who I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say who played on the next record. Was it Tommy Aldridge? Drums?
1: No, I think it was one of the Castillo or something like that. Randy oh, Castillo.
2: right, right. Yeah,
1: I'm not totally sure on that, but I think it was. The huh. Bark at the Moon, you're talking about?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what a solo he does on Believer too, dude. That
2: solo's just yeah. ...grinding. and I think I I'm trying it's a hmm. Yeah, I know which I know what it is. I don't know. was kind of I was going to like Rally solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's one yeah. of my favorite solos. And and he does he does that triplet thing in there. Like toward the end of it, yeah. right? Yeah. Like the last yeah.
0: riff.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, right great. before he goes, doo, 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 uh, right before that he does that yeah, that legato run. That's also in Mr. Crowley. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. That shit is really creative, man. That yep. fucking that sounds like nothing. That song sounds like nothing else. I know. None of these songs do. I guess I already said that, but <laughs> that's what's amazing about it.
1: Every song has its own separate little masterpiece.
2: There's yeah.
1: Like, you know how the Scorpions album will have like four or five songs that are like the same groove, mm-hmm. the same chords, the same riffs, the same yeah. kind of vocals, same kind of lyric each one of these stands alone by
2: itself as right. its own, you know, entity. Basically. Yeah. And he's yeah. never just playing rhythm. Like he's just like all over the place. Constantly. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I always think of, of, um, Uh, Rudy when I hear The Believer because I think of him playing it live Uh in the intro but it's fucking Bob Daisley he wrote that shit yeah it's really really great
1: that's a scary sounding song spooky
2: yeah for sure and so is Little Dolls that's like side two right
1: right Yep, and it's trippy that it's only four songs per side. Yeah. Yeah, but Little Dolls has got that other uh, drum intro. That's cool. It's kind of almost like, a, uh, like an army. Yeah. You know, like an arm, army kind of thing would yeah. have
2: that. Yeah. Really, really unique. Just the drums are unique. Like, that's rare when the drums are unique, because mm-hmm. there's only so many beats you can do, you know? Right. I wonder if those drums are multi-tracked because they sound really sick, really like there's almost two performances.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, and uh, before I forget, Lee like was saying that Frankie Benali, the Quiet Riot drummer, yeah, said said that he came up with it, that intro to, you know, the drum intro to Over the Mountain.
2: Yeah, I was going to mention Lee,
1: that. Yeah, Frankie said he came up with it and Lee's like, I was doing that when I was with Uriah Heep. Well, not Uriah. Was it Uriah Heep he played with? Yep. And Daisley yeah. played with Uriah Heep too, right? But at a different time?
2: That I don't know.
0: Huh. That
1: I
2: don't know.
1: Yeah, I know I in know. The Bob Daisley's book, For Fact's Sake, I know Uriah Heep is one of the... Pretty sure. Huh. Anyway, he's said that. he he He's like, Frankie you always crazy. How could he... I was playing that when you were out of heap, and he must have been, you know, eight years old. How can you say he came up with that?
2: How, what, what does that mean, he came up? Was he the guy in Quiet Riot?
1: Yeah. He's a drummer for Quiet Riot. So he's like,
2: saying that Randy, like, told him about it or something? I don't so. know. I don't what know. But Lee,
1: Lee was saying that this guy's full of shit.
2: Yeah, I heard him say he's a liar. Because somebody was, was asking alive. him, you know,
1: where'd you come up with that? And he's Well, that's a riff I had. I was even doing that, you know, when you're out of You yeah. know, he says, come to think of it, Frankie Banali says that he came up with it. There's no way he could have come up with it.
2: Anybody who plays double bass or something or is able to play like that might do something like that. I mean, it's it's kind of like doing, you know triplets with open strings or something. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. It's a trick. A lot of guitar players could do it, something very similar to it and then say, Hey, you got that from me.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: But I love the tension and release of little dolls like um mm-hmm. That chorus. I just love the melody of that chorus. And the and the the outro chorus and the and the solo notes he's Randy's playing on it too.
2: Yeah, it was always one of my favorite songs. Yeah, on that album.
1: hmm And the words are cool. Uh huh. It says a little doll is you. Right. At the end, yeah. God,
0: yeah.
2: You know, there was uh one of the producer videos I watched. He had he had a bunch of solo tracks, and he had Ozzy singing. I think it was Crazy Train, but. Like, when he sings going off the rails on the crazy train or whatever, uh-huh. and the harmony comes in, it sounds so fucking good. Like, Ozzy with the harmony just soloed. Did you hear that? Uh-huh. No. Oh, oh my but that's gosh. a
1: high, high, high harmony. It is
2: really high. Yeah. And it he just nails it, and it just sounds so good. Like, man, that guy's a good singer.
3: Oh I don't yeah, care if
2: he's got a weird voice. There's a difference between ha- being able to sing and having a weird voice. You can have a weird voice right. and still be a great singer, you know. Yeah, well, I think voice his
1: voice was his... weird in Black Sabbath, but on the Ozzy album, you know, once it oh. became Ozzy, his voice is like really—it's uh, pleasing to listen to to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
2: that's cool. Yeah, I think that It might be that it's more melodic maybe Yeah It's definitely more melodic It's more poppy mm-hmm. That's what he wanted to do I mean even listening to him talk today On that interview with Rick Rubin He was like uh, He was saying um, How How Black Sabbath Like anytime they came close to doing a hook They'd fuck it up on purpose <laughs> Really? Now I love Black Sabbath. I, I'm not. I'm not a hater of Black Sabbath. I love them. Uh huh. But yeah, he said like those guys. Every time they, whenever it gives you know a catchy song or a hook, they would just fuck it up on purpose. And you know, then he would like they would do something progressive. You know, like some uh-huh. progressive they didn't bullshit. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> and and
1: the and the hooky, catchy shit was right there in front of their face.
2: That that's kind of how he painted the picture. Yeah. That's a trip. It was funny when he said he wanted to quit. And then they kicked him out. He was like, whatever. Uh He hated it. He was like, I fucking hated it. (laughs) 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 But he was talking about Tony Iommi, man. I don't know if you heard this part where... I guess he used to stand on the side of the stage when he sang with Sabbath. I never heard that before, but that's... Oh Rick really? Rubin asked him. Yeah, yeah. Rick Rubin asked him like why did you stay on the side of the stage? And he was like, Because Tony, you know he's basically he said Tony Iommi is so commanding and he's so confident that he just makes Ozzy feel like a piece of shit. Like he just walks in the room and Ozzy just like wants to go hide in the corner because he's so intimidated by him. <laughs> oh. It's interesting. Huh. He said, to this day, I still feel that way about him. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. It was just in the dynamic of their personalities and never changed, huh?
2: Yeah, I guess so.
1: It's interesting. Yeah. yeah.
2: So he probably just was just like under the shadow, under the thumb or the shadow of Tony Iommi for all those years, and he just couldn't get away, wait to get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the next one is Tonight. Is that the ballad you were talking about?
1: Yeah, dude. Ozzy's
2: yeah. vocal on
1: that. I think it's one of his best vocals that he ever did.
2: And, uh-huh.
1: uh, like, if I listen to this song
0: uh-huh.
1: and think about Randy while I'm listening to it, I'll, mm-hmm. I choke up every time. Really? Yeah, because, okay, when I used to listen to this song, I remember when I went off to school. Mm-hmm when I first left to go off to school and we weren't supposed to have any, you know, rock music or guitars or whatever. So, but at at night, I would listen to this and, um, you know, the feelings of being away from my family, being away from you and your brother, Darren Uh and, uh, Randy passing. And, uh, the, the song just evokes a lot of emotion for me. It's like full, full of it. And Randy's solos, like the first solo, it's kind of got an optimistic feel to it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's got nice, you know, melodic tones, whatever. And then his second solo has like notes of despair and anxiety and Mm -hmm. just, it's just like trying to, you know, break the chains and trying to just bust out. And, uh, it just makes me, you know, and thinking about him, how he passed away and everything. It just, yeah. Everything, all these feelings, come up when I listen to this song. Wow.
0: Yeah,
1: and I think it's one, it's you know one of the rippingest solos that um, I think that he does. And then you just want, as it's fading out, he's still ripping, and you just mm-hmm. want to hear like what happened after it faded out. <laughs> and Max Norman right. said that they they pretty much, you know, let it go as long as they could. And there wasn't much more to it after that Uh but um man he tapped into something on that second solo as it's going out
2: wow i think i did hear i think i did notice that today when i was listening it was one of the songs it had to be that one yeah had to be that and
1: you know how he would do the toggle his toggle switch yeah
2: and
1: he does it you can tell like oh he almost instinctively Reach it up and grab it, and he only does it three times, and it's so subtle it wasn't like it's not like the do 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 you know that real choppy yeah. when he used to do it. It's just kind of a uh, doo do do, do 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 you know like on one note, and then he yeah. continues ripping, and I was like, holy shit, that's that toggle thing, and he just like
0: yeah. you know
1: almost just like second nature just reached up and did it and then kept ripping it's it's trippy listen, listen for that next time you're listening to it.
2: I think I noticed it today. I think I heard him do that because that's part of the whole thing that he does. Like he's just like pick scratches and fucking harmonics and licks and fucking rhythm and then high chords, rhythm, lower rhythm chords, and then the toggle switch and feedback and the wah pedal. Like he's just like he's just all that stuff is right there under his fingers and he just uses it all like without thinking yeah. it feels like, you know. I know.
1: you know what else nice. he does I like is he does these little string along and lead up notes in between chords.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know, like on Flying High again, he'll uh as he's going up to the chord instead of just going da he'll go da dun da da. You know, the little uh-huh. notes he puts into
2: it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well that song that song is really nice and it's a really I, I agree. It's a great mm-hmm. song. It's kinda it kinda like I didn't even really remember the song until I listened to the album again recently, but uh, I know it very well when I hear it. Right. <clears throat> the vocal yeah.
1: he does too is just stellar.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so the next one S-A-T-O. Which, what does it stand for? What's the final verdict on that? Ship
1: at the, ship at the Ocean? <laughs> That's
2: what I always thought it was.
1: Yeah. I don't know what, what else it would stand for. Um, I don't really have anything on that. That's just straightforward.
2: Well, you know? I always really liked this one. I used to like to play along with it. It's really, uh-huh. um, it kind of reminds you of Steal Away of the Night a little bit, I guess, but yeah, um, yeah. it's First of all, it's really interesting to me how similar the intro and outro is to Diary, which is the next song. It's got a real eerie sort of diminished quality um, when it comes in with the acoustic guitar. It's really nice. It just goes into that riff. And and the, the fucking solo is great on this one, too. And all the riffs. I mean just the way that he does those riffs and the runs in inside the rift, that's what i was thinking when you were Yeah and those
1: that. power chords but he keeps mm-hmm. ringing those those the open e and b strings
2: Yeah i don't remember the any da da
1: da 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 you know the chords are changing underneath it but he keeps throwing that open e open e strings in on top of it Mhm yeah like I kind of yeah. do that a lot with different chords too, because it just it adds a top to the chord, you know.
0: Yeah. And it might yeah. it
1: might be a third to the chord that you're playing or a fifth to the chord that you're playing,
0: but right. it, it's
1: it's easy to do and it can ring over the chord. Yeah, ostinato. Is that the word?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think when you do when you do a melody or a bass line and you keep. A note happening or a pattern happening in the chords uh-huh. change around it. Right, and it's an ostinato. That's what uh, Justin Hawkins talks about. Ostinato, like every time he hears one, he mentions it. So it's a it's a pow- pretty powerful tool for yeah for you know creating a hook. A yep. hook.
1: yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Priest does that. Yeah, for sure. Quite a bit. Yeah, and I I always I always like a song when it does that
2: you know yeah
0: Yeah.
1: so that diary sounds uh it just sounds bleak and depressing you know in a good way
2: diary yeah
1: and the solo sounds like a crazy person with like a crazy person that's got dementia trying to remember the notes in the scale but missing (laughs) them just by one or two missing him by one right. or two notes you know what i mean
2: oh that solo yeah
1: the solo it's like the way he throws that g sharp in there all the time
2: you know it's Isn't like that solo diminished that solo i think is is the one that's diminished right um Maybe i'm not
1: sure I don't know. but it sounds like somebody weird. just barely hanging on yeah and he, he he plays notes that are wrong on purpose to sound like a person
2: scale but maybe maybe he's well first of all one thing i was going to mention about him that i forgot to mention is that randy rhodes always to me what makes him cool one of the things that makes him cool is that he always ends his phrases on notes that you don't expect him to end them on
0: right Mm -hmm. yeah
2: and I noticed you did it when I saw, and I don't know if you were playing a Randy lick or whatever, but on one of the videos you posted, I was like, "Oh, he's got that down!" Like, you know, where you play a play, and and Randy would like change a riff and end it on a different note, like, a riff that you're used to hearing, but he'll go up and set it down or something. Uh huh. And it's always so cool, but it's not something that, it's it's not something that I would have ever thought of to do. It's always something totally unique. And it's unique to him. I've never heard anybody else do it. Well, except mm-hmm. for when I heard you do that. And, and I figured it was like inspired by Randy, but mm-hmm. like, it's not something that I would want to try to do in my music to copy him, but it's such a unique thing that he did. And I just fucking love it. Like when he would do the rift, the the live stuff and put all the riffs in between the licks in between yeah. uh-huh. phrases and stuff. Um, he would change them slightly and it would always end on a different note and it would always just be cool. I can't really. You, you remember you
1: looking at me mm-hmm. where he does that lip. It's, uh, let me see it. Oh, you can... If you can hear it, but I'll put the guitar to the thing. It's, uh, can you hear that? Mm hmm. You don't, know, you don't, you wouldn't expect that him to end on that, but he does. Is that what you're talking
0: about?
2: Well, I, I, there's just like almost in every song he does something where he's not ending it on the tonic or he's not ending it on the, on a chord tone that you'd expect. It just sounds like he's, I don't know. It's like, it's just like a unique thing to him. So the, the diary solo is, but yeah. You're right. That what you just did was was not what I would have expected to happen. It might even be a note that's out of the scale. I can't really tell, but um, right, with yeah. Diary, with diary, he's definitely doing that. I mean, he's going places you're not expecting him to go, for sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And like you're it's... right. Um, I, it reminds me, thinking about it what you're saying reminds me of a piece that I played when I was in college uh, called the Usher Waltz. And it's like, it's like Follow the house of Usher, which is like, it's like in the, in the story, this Usher plays a, a guitar piece in uh-huh. the story. And it's only described. So this Russian composer, Koshkin wrote a guitar piece called the Usher Waltz and it's a twisted waltz. And it's kind of like, what you're describing—it's like because the dude's supposed to be insane, right? So he's playing yeah, so he's stepping over keys, but yeah, but it's all kind of off kilter and like weird. Uh-huh. And yes, yeah. that's exactly what this is. You're right; it's exactly right. What this is. I didn't think of that. I never thought of that before.
1: Yeah, it's the the solo is like like a mad a madman would play. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, yeah. So there's a. Let's see. I was gonna um, bring up that uh, the term, the 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 title was from. There's a few books or short stories called Diary of a Madman, but the main, the first one was by Nikolai Gogol, who's a Russian writer. Uh huh. And uh, I tried to listen to it today, but I, I. Cause there was a guy reading it, but it was like a half hour long while I was working. I couldn't get through it, but Uh (laughs) it's just basically as he writes, he goes more and more insane. Like in the beginning, he thinks these dogs are talking about him and stuff. It's like, Uh (laughs) and I guess he just goes, goes nuts. And, uh, I I read that the guy who read the thing in the radio program that I was listening to that, the dude, freaked out at the end of it. Like he was so because of the story or the, whatever happened emotionally during the reading, like he just ran out like in tears or something, like had a breakdown or something. Wow. There must be something powerful about that story. Um, and I've heard about Gogol before I've heard Russian people talk about how influential he was, Uh uh, to, to later artists. But, um, Oh, the other thing we should talk about it. I know you probably don't aren't aren't as uh, interested in it as me, but the fact that Randy got the intro from Leo Brower is a pretty big deal to me. Like, yeah, um, it's like I never knew that as a kid. Somewhere along the line, I got the piece and I realized that it was those chords. And it's it really is just the intro. Right. So it's maybe not
0: had, that big of a deal. Go ahead.
2: Maybe if he had more time he would have
1: wrote something else to cover up that whatever those first four well, measures or whatever. But also the the dun 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 dun, dun. he kinda yeah. got that from um watching a old World War Two. Mm. Uh you know, when the Nazis were like marching in. He's, wow. He was watching a World War Two some old film or something. And uh, the Nazis were marching, and it, it was a march something similar to that. And you could kind of picture, you know, their legs kicking out, yeah,
0: stiff and shit. yeah, don't don't
1: don't don't You
2: know, and, so, and, not the same yeah. as that, but
1: I don't know. I think if he would have had more
2: time, he probably would have replaced that with something. I don't know. Well, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's a big deal. I just think. Well, I said it was a big deal. It's. It's really super interesting, right? Because he's studying guitar, mm-hmm. and yeah. what it is is a. Uh, it's an. I mean, people act like the yeah, this guy. Like when you hear these these guys talk about it, it's like some obscure fucking guy who should be lucky that Randy used his name. He's amazing. Like if you heard some of his pieces, like it's fucking amazing shit. Uh-huh. Right. He's incredible. The other thing. Um, it's but this was like a real simple etude. Like it's like a real easy warm. It's like a warm up piece. You know, like he uh-huh. wrote like 20 etudes or something. And they're all uh-huh. very simple. It's really cool. It's it's a really neat piece It goes on much longer. And um, it's it's really nice. Uh-huh. Um, and Randy and changed the, the rhythm. You can yeah, play it fast. You can play it fast. Yeah, maybe uh-huh. you're supposed to play it fast, um, but I, for, for, Leo Brower is Cuban, right? So he, he, he's in Cuba, and I wanted to ask my friend, my bass player, wh- what's true about Cuba because when I was in, when I was in college, it was they used to say. That Brower would say, "Go ahead and because you know back then it was like you're not supposed to photocopy music. You're supposed to buy the score so the composer gets a royalty." Uh Brower lives in Cuba. He would never get any royalties, so he would. uh, The people would say things like, "Brower says just copy my music, don't buy it because I'm not getting paid for it." I don't know if right. he said that. I don't know. That's what I think that's what I remember people saying. And okay. also Russian composers, because they're not going to get paid for it because it was before the Soviet Union fell, right? So mm-hmm. so these these composers. So Randy used that. I don't know, maybe he knew, maybe somebody knew that he could use it and, and that it wouldn't matter. Um, right. but I saw online somebody said that Leo Brower sued Randy Rhodes for that and Uh then dropped it after he died. And I cannot find any evidence that that's true. I think someone just fucking made it up because I cannot find an article or anything that says that that's true. And I've never heard that. Have you? And you'd be able to. I would think so, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say about it is that Ozzy tells a story that he was, Randy was practicing and Ozzy was living with him, I think, at the time. And he was like, what the fuck are you playing? You got to use that. You got to yeah. use that. He
1: said, I'm and taking so, that.
2: So it wasn't even Randy's idea to do it. Right,
1: right. So, Ozzie, yeah, Ozzy said, uh, I'm stealing
2: that. I'm taking that. Yeah, and he, I heard him yeah. say it. He was like, It's fucking beautiful. Like it's fucking amazing piece of me. I was like, what the fuck is that? You know, so Mm -hmm. anyway, but, but it does shape the tone of a lot of that song, but there are moments in there that I'm just like blown away that Randy wrote it. Like, where the fuck did he come up with this? And then then there's another section and then another section and they're totally different from each other. Mm-hmm. And the chords are fucking wild. Yep. And it's not these same chords. It's different. I think the verse is a little bit borrowing from the uh, intro, but then there are other sections toward the end that are just completely, totally right. different. Yep. It's a fucking yeah, masterpiece. Like, yeah,
1: like that long piece where there's no vocal or anything and the strings mm-hmm. are in there
0: yeah
1: like that whole part yeah. yeah so the strings were done by the london symphony orchestra yeah did you hear max tell the story yeah yeah and and it was Hilarious. recorded at abbey road yeah about yeah. lou about louis clark the guy who came in yeah the guy who with transcribed the, the beer yeah two beers
2: yeah, one for the copyist and one for him. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, and there was no copy machine then he he just wrote it out.
2: And the guy he had to make it, all the copies for all Yeah, the, all skimmed the it people.
1: across the table to the next, to yeah. the dude to copy it, yeah. Amazing. It
2: said he all in his head and it was done in about two hours. Yeah. And then they they had to cheat and and record it. When they were supposed to be just rehearsing. So right. they had two takes to double. hmm <laughs> And he did that with the chorus too, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Well they talked about Carmina Barana being a, an influence on it too. You know that piece? Um, I just know from like what I've heard. Carmina Barana, I think, is is the ex exor- is it the exorcist or um I don't know the really famous chorus piece. It's, um. That it's, sounds it, 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 it is, it is kind of, it does evoke that vibe, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Like it's, it's, he nailed it. I think that they, again, like Randy, like took this, he took, like, the Aussie, scary Aussie thing and, and the Aussie Beatles-esque, you know, Aussie who loves the Beatles and put them together and created this sort of like gothic Beatles thing that they that they did those two albums, you know. And Aussie's probably continued along in that, in that path since then, but I don't think he's done anything nearly as good. Right. But like with this with the start of a madman thing, it's like the whole concept of a madman. He took it and just like knocked it out of the park. Yep. Like you're saying, like with the solo, like the whole song is just like, you know, it's like, it's like the Sabbath thing, but Sabbath could have never done anything like that. Oh, hell no. I mean, it's, yeah, and the it's way it goes, so from quiet much part, deeper,
1: that quiet part the when it builds back into the, you know,
0: just the like. How
1: did you think to put those together like that? It's just crazy. I don't know. Like, the one thing Sharon said that I agree with is that Randy was a gift from from God. Yeah. And and that this music was it was destined to be made. It had to be made, and that's where I get conflicted. Is like. So does that mean when he passed that was part of the destiny too? It's like it's not fair. Yeah, man. I don't know. I got strong feelings on that on that subject. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. It's uh it's horrible, man. Yeah. Think about that. In in Who said it? Who said that Don Airy? Was, oh, it was Max who said it. Don Airy was the one who convinced him to get on the plane. Like, why the fuck would he do that? Mm,
1: uh,
2: yeah, I heard it. You know, there's a def- couple different things
1: that... Um, and Andrew convinced him because he said, look, Rachel's got a heart condition, dude. I'm not going to do anything that's going to
0: fuck her up. Right. You know?
1: So I'm just going to fly low and slow. So why were they... Why were they both in the... The tour bus four times, you know, or three times. Yeah. You know, got close enough to hit it. And were was were they struggling in the cockpit, or was there a medical emergency in the cockpit? Was Acock all coked out? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean, or were they? What? Who said they saw him struggling, Rudy?
2: I think Rudy, it's in his book for sure. Yeah. And he thinks the guy struggled. Did it on purpose, right? Because his ex-wife well. was down. His ex-wife was down there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I
1: don't know. I just, you know, you always wish you could just turn back time or, or through some miracle or change. Like yeah. just that—that that should
2: not have happened, man. It just... It's just—it's crazy. He was going to take a bus back. Was he going to take a bus? No, he was going to take the train back. LA. Randy was? After, yeah, he was going to take the train back after the Florida show because he didn't want to fly. He didn't like to fly. That's what, I just heard that in an interview. Right.
1: So why did he get in the plane?
2: I
0: don't know.
1: That's, it's just fucking, I don't know, dude. That's the biggest bummer, you know, Yeah. in my life besides anything family related. Right. It's It's yeah. definitely a a big thing yeah yeah and i felt kind of the same thing kind of when stevie ray died even though i wasn't a big stevie ray fan Mm -hmm. but it was like he you know he was so young just starting to bloom you know what i mean and boom Mm -hmm. it was kind of the same feeling but you know yeah but i'm ready to do the uh Reflections of a Guitar Icon
2: documentary. Yeah. Did you I'm watch the whole through, thing?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go through it piece by piece and make notes all on it. And,
2: all right. You know, well, so I will lot, I. I
1: mean, I've got a lot to say on it. I think. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Cool, man. All right. Well, we'll we'll uh keep in touch and let me know when you're ready, and uh, I'll try to watch it this weekend. Okay, and was, let's not wait as long. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had you had some bad shit. I mean, you had a everything go. I had okay to the... Yeah, I had to
1: evacuate. And yeah, yeah, the f- fire literally burnt a, a ring around a ring around our place. Not like right up to our place, but the hills right behind us and the hills on yeah. the side of us. It was basically did a horseshoe all around our place,
2: you know, all around yeah, our place, yeah. and yeah. Well, I'm glad it worked out. Did did uh yeah, very did you have fire. did you have smoke damage?
1: No, but we got ash all over our house and. Mhm. Yeah, and a, a headache from the smoke and everything, but yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, uh,
1: she was a close one.
2: All those years of living down there. Mm-hmm. Um, we had so many fires every summer and. I guess, I mean, this happened just happened to you. It happened to my mom before we moved. Uh, the fire came right up to our property. Um, in Menifee. The, yeah, um, uh-huh. right up to the fan, right up to the gate. We didn't have a gate when you were there, but we, they put a gate around our property, and it came right up. Well, maybe not to the gate. It came up to the uh, road. You know, our driveway. If you went straight and didn't turn to didn't right. turn in toward our house we went straight uh-huh. it, it yeah. went right up to that driveway wow and my mom was like ready to go she had the cat and the dog like you know she was like um, she had a bunch of stuff she was going to take and I guess they had it under control wow but it's crazy I'm, man. I plan like, on going by sorry it's crazy all those years, you know, like nothing happened. And then it happened to her and eventually, and then it happened to you eventually, too. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: I plan on going by your house and taking some pictures of your house now and sending it to you.
2: Oh, yeah? Yeah, as soon as I get the chance. Oh, that would be nice. Thanks. Yeah. We so you... we, some, we look at it sometimes on Google Maps. It's kind of hard to Oh, see. that's a good I idea. How, I don't know how recent it is, but... Um, mm-hmm yeah you probably won't be able to get to too too close because there's a gate now there is a gate yeah i yeah.
1: i drove up there like i oh, what do i say maybe two years ago or something to mm-hmm. go look and there was a gate and i could kind of like barely see the corner of your house but wow yeah
2: You know, I was in – my parents, you know how we'd go to Borrego sometimes for uh, mm-hmm. Christmas and stuff? There's a house there that is the same house as, as that house. It's, like, the same – because my mom, you know, was like, a company in Riverside that built these houses or whatever. So right. they were kind of, like, planned out already in advance. Yeah. I think she had yeah, a the... little bit to say, but um, it was, like, exactly the – almost exactly the same house. Yeah, the
1: plan. Like, the builder's plan. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah, it was like the same colors scheme and everything, like the same wow, and the tiles and the and the everything. Like the whole layout was the same. It was wow. This is like our house in a different place, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I wanna buy this house. <laughs> That's, That's <crazy>. cool. <laughs> well cool, man. All right, man. Well, it was good,
1: <laughs> good hanging out with you
2: yeah you too and uh we'll do we'll do the documentary soon
1: okay sounds great
2: all right we'll take care all right brother you take care too okay bye, bye
3: It's like, uh, it would be comparable to an A with a flatted fifth, so in other words, you got a root, third, and you flat to E, used with the opening to get, gives you that dissonance. Right. you want to learn any of the middle parts of it, a uh, seventh? Yeah, it's a C7, or I use it as an E, e diminished, which is a, a very, very close to the same chord. Like E minor.